I'm excited to be with you this morning and uh, wow, I hope there are not any cracks in that roof over there. There was just such a declaration of praise this morning. I didn't think that such a small group of people could, could really uh, declare such magnificent worship. So I, I know that God's presence is here this morning, just sense that he's here to touch us and to heal us and to motivate us, to direct our lives. Just be open to God this morning as we share the word of God with you just right from the outset before we start. If you could um, just determine in your heart that you'll run with the word, that you won't be just a, a hearer, but you will be a doer of the word of God. And then God's going to deposit something in your heart this morning. Will you, will you do that? Amen? Amen? Not too stiff from Friday night? Good. Yeah, my son was, was about five years old or so uh, when he said, Dad, I'm ready to go into the deep sea with you. I was trying to get him in for a long time, and um, it was a lovely day, Durban North, Schlonga Beach. Bathers were right out there. There was a dip, and there was a bank out there. We went. We were out there for, I don't know, an hour and a half maybe. I don't know if it was longer. It was such a, a, a lovely temperature, and... Um, the, the tide was coming in quite, quite strongly and, and swiftly and felt a little bit of a side current and got a bit worried. I was half holding him up at, towards the end and getting, getting really tired. And, um, and I said, Guy, we, we've got to go back now. And as we went back, we went into the little gully and we were taken sideways in the current. And I realized we, I was in trouble because I was holding him up and I could hardly touch the ground. And I was calling to bathers. I was calling to boogie boarders, and we were, we were going past, and we were going, toward, we were going in, out into sea. And uh, I was calling to surfers, and they all looked at me blankly. And um, the guy was taking in quite a bit of water at that stage, and he said, Dad, I can't, I can't, any, more, any longer. And that's, that's when I got a fright and put pride in pocket, put up my other hand that was free, and those lifesavers were in there. They rescued us. It was absolutely amazing. I, I had a change of attitude towards lifesavers uh, after that. Um, and, um, and I thought to myself, you know, um, many Christians across the globe are, are, are like that. Um, when it comes to evangelism, um, we went past the bathers, we went past the others, and, um, and the others. And, and, and basically they were saying, it's not my job, it's not my responsibility, somebody else is going to do it. And um, far too many have that attitude across the globe. There were surveys done in America at one time, and um, it was found in evangelical churches across, across the country that very few had actually ever shared their faith with anybody else. To me, that, that's a sad thing. I'm sure it's not the case in South Africa. I'm sure it's not the case in this church. Um, uh, you know, w when I think of those lifesavers, they were totally convinced and they were totally persuaded that that was their job, that that was their responsibility. If they weren't totally persuaded, uh, we would have drowned. We would have drowned. And you know, if we're not totally persuaded as Christians, we will never get off home base as far as sharing our faith with anybody else. Jesus Christ came into this world totally persuaded that mankind needed to, to be saved. The angel announced that. You remember, uh, his name shall be Jesus and he will save his people from their sin. And uh, in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, uh, Jesus said, I am 
coming. I have come to save the lost. I've come to save the lost. That, that was his mission. He was fully persuaded about his mission. He went from village to village, town to town, um, teaching, um, praying for the uh, sick, performing miracles with express purpose of, of saving the lost. That, that was his, his purpose. And if it's his purpose, his chief, chief purpose, it's our chief purpose as well. In John chapter uh, 8 and verse 12, uh, we read that um, Jesus said, amongst other I am's, he said this amazing statement in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. There's no greater light. There's no other light. There's no other way to God. Jesus was saying, I am the light of the world. And then later on in Matthew 5 and verses 13 and 14, it said, he says to, to us as his disciples, you are the salt and you are the light of the world. Wow. That, that's, quite, that's quite a commission. That's quite a statement. But how, how does it work? Isn't he the light? No. He said, I'm going to, to the Father. And we're to continue the, the work. Um, greater things will you do collectively than I have done. There's a limited time that I have on, on earth. And I am going to be with the Father. So you are salt. You are the light of the world. What a tremendous responsibility. What a tremendous privilege as well. To be salt and to be light. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.20 he says that we are ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. A tremendous privilege to be an ambassador of a country throughout the world. Whichever country you are chosen to be an ambassador. Not too many people are chosen to be an ambassador in a country, right? But every single Christian is chosen to be an ambassador for God. Wow! Aren't we privileged? Aren't we privileged? If that doesn't excite us, well, I think we need some firecrackers to get us, get us started and get, get us going. But we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We represent His kingdom. There's no greater kingdom in all the world than the kingdom of God. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? We sit in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus, right? So we're heavenly citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven. We represent heaven on earth. Woo! Man, I'm stirred by that. really am. I was stirred 50-something years ago when God touched my life. And I'm still stirred. I'm, I'm more stirred today. If, 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 if I get passionate, forgive me. Um, just calm me down. I'm, I'm taking some tranquilizers. Um, we, are, we are called as ambassadors for an almighty God. And we need to be those people. There are no secret agents in the kingdom of God, right? You know? Yeah, I, I, you know, there was a church in, in, in Durban and, and it was called the Invisible Church. Where, where's your church? I don't know. It's invisible. There are no invisible Christians in the world or should, shouldn't be invisible. 1 Peter 2, 9 says that we're a holy people, a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, that we may declare His praises, even as you declared His praises today, but it goes further than just declaring praises on a Sunday. It means declaring Him, that He is praiseworthy to all and sundry, 
all that we come across. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus was calling his first disciples. I'm trying to break um, Joey's record. He says he's got the shortest record of, of preaching. I tried that last week, but it didn't work. So please, please encourage me in your prayers. And uh, so, yeah, here were these fishermen. And uh, Jesus said, come on, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And he says to each one of us, I have made you fishers of men and of women, of course, boys and girls. We are fishers of people. That's our commission. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, declare the gospel, gossip with the gospel. But I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. You know, gossip the gospel. Share the gospel in some way, some measure. Many, many churches that I've come across have, um, uh, have, have put it on pastors to grow the church. It's the pastor's responsibility to make converts. It's the pastor's responsibility, you know, on a Sunday and so on. No, it's not. Because we're light, we're salt, we're ambassadors, all right? We're fishers of men. We're commissioned to go. And there are many other portions. We can spend a, a whole, a whole um, you know, week on motivating us and, and, and persuading us as to our responsibility and to our, to our joy of, of being ambassadors for God. So if the church is not growing, whose, whose responsibility is that? Then we're all not playing our part. And this church is growing. Well done. Well done. And you're doing your job. And uh, keep it up. Um, and double the efforts. There were, there, Nicky Gumbel tells the story of a young boy of about 10, um, and this is in England, and this little boy was obnoxious. He just, his parents just couldn't control him. They tried every which way to discipline him, but to no avail. And in the end, in desperation, after months and months, they, they thought, well, we must call the vicar in and, on this and, and, and let him make, you know, try and make sense to this kid of ours. So they made an appointment down at the church. This was a huge man, this vicar, very stern face, dog collar, Batman cape, cape and, and all the rest. And they thought, he'll shake him up a bit. So they said, okay, we're, we're dropping him off with you, vicar, and we're coming back for him um, in, hours, in an hour's time. And uh, so the, the little boy was sitting over there, and this vicar was behind his desk, and the vicar stood up and said, where's God? Little boy really became scared. Vicar stood a bit taller and he said, Where is God? The little boy was really starting to feel very uncomfortable. He stood way up and he said, Where is God? Well, the little boy had wet himself already. He ran out of the vestry. He ran through the, the, the church. He ran all the way home. And his parents said, What are you doing here? You're supposed to be with the vicar. He said, Anyway, he said, Why died? White face, and he was saying, They've lost God at the church, and they're blaming me for it. <laughs> and you, you know what? The church in many parts of the world has become irrelevant because they feel that the church has lost God. You know, the God is dead thing in Europe, we were, the, we were living there for, for seven years. The church is irrelevant. irrelevant. But this church isn't because you're declaring his praises and people who come in here know that there is a living God 
and you're reaching out. And they know as you reach out, there is a living God. And praise God for that. We need to be persuaded. Then we need to be passionate, number two. Once again, Jesus is our great example, is he not? When he was on earth uh, and he did his ministry over three years and after the third year it was almost completed, he kept saying to his disciples, I, I need to go, I need to go, I need to go, and I need to be crucified, I need to die. And they, they wouldn't accept that. And they fought that. And they, they wanted an earthly kingdom. They wanted a, a kingdom of peace and prosperity and overthrow of the Romans and, and so on. Jesus said, mine is a spiritual kingdom. And, um, and when, when he was crucified, they were devastated. Peter denied that he even knew the Lord. They went back fishing. They went back to their, their, their occupations. And it was only after Jesus uh, was resurrected from the dead that they became uh, more encouraged by the fact that he was alive. And Jesus, just before he ascended, said to them, Go back to Jerusalem, wait there, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will have no power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to be my witnesses uh, wherever. You know that portion in uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse, uh, verse 8. And uh, that's what happened. That's what happened. And um, they, from, from being totally uh, out of it, totally scared and confused, they were just totally bold. And um, they touched that whole city. In fact, the outsider said, they're turning the world upside down. They're turning our world upside down. Imagine if, 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 if the Ridge um, Baptist Church um, has that um, knowledge of, wow, that, what's going on in the Ridge? You know, that Baptist Church, they're turning the world the right side up. Because that's, that's really what, what, what they meant. And then uh, there was a, b a big persecution. And uh, in Acts chapter 8, it tells us that they were scattered. And it says here in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They, they gossiped the gospel. Absolutely amazing. They were beaten up for their faith in Jerusalem. And, and now you want to go and be beaten up somewhere else? I mean, are you crazy? Why, why did they do this? Because they were passionate for God. They were passionate for God. And they wanted every single person to come to know about Jesus. And they wanted as many as possible to go to glory. Warren Worsby says, our task is to take as many as possible with us to glory. Our task is to take as many as possible with us to glory. And that's been my mission. That's been my motto all down the years. And um, it's, it ought to be our motto as well. And then later on, an even greater persecution arose. Hundreds and thousands of Christians were martyred in the cruelest way possible. And, and they tried to crunch the church. They tried to squash the church. But the more they persecuted them in that way, the church grew. The blood of the martyrs was the growth of the church. And it's been like that down the centuries. Wherever they've tried to snuff out the church and, and, and kill Christians, the church has grown. Why? Because people see that these people are willing to die for their faith in God. It's not a lie. And they go willingly and they go cheerfully and they go joyfully to their death. What? Crazy. There must be something to it. 
And so the church just exploded. What a testimony at the end of the day. And I, I think to myself, I thought to myself, you know, some, some people would not, um, would not um, think of, of dying for their faith. Um, but, you know, what about the neighbor next door? We don't have to die for our faith. Hopefully not, ever. What about our neighbor next door? I had a holiday job and uh, two people uh, many years ago, two people that worked together in this, in this, um, in the Oka Bazaar, in this little section, uh, were both Christians and I was sharing Christ with them and, and neither of them told the other one that they were Christians. One year. One year. How passionate is that? <laughs> Jimmy Elliot and uh, some buddies of his felt led by God to go to the, to the Amazon, to uh, South America, where there was an unreached people's group. They were very violent. They were very um, um, bloodthirsty people. People were scared. They didn't want to go there. They flew overhead for, for months, dropping off food parcels. And, and then eventually they, they, they dropped off their, their photographs with, with food parcels. Eventually they came to the outskirts of these villages um, and the people came out and received gifts from them. And just when they thought they were getting somewhere with this tribe, they were massacred at night time. They were all taken out. They were all murdered. And Jimmy Elliot's wife was distraught. She was, she was taken by surprise. And uh, she had to work through her grief. She had to work through forgiveness. And when she did, she decided that she would go back to this tribe in the Amazon and that she would try and win them to Christ. She knew that she, her life was in jeopardy. And you know what? God enabled her to win those people to Christ. Absolutely astounding. Passionate, passionate, passionate for God. The psalmist says in Psalm 126 and verse 5, They that sow in tears will reap in joy. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I was brought up in a non-Christian family and uh, I led my mom to Christ and I cried over my dad many a time, many a time. Just went out and midnight uh, after having talked to him for a length of time, I cried to God, oh God, please save this man. He can't see it. He can't see it. He's in the sea. He's drowning. He doesn't put up his hand. You might be here as a visitor and you think, what is all this about saving and lost and so on? Well, I knew I was drowning. When we went to sea, we were going we to drown unless somebody saved us. And when we are in our sin, um, you know, often people don't realize that they're actually drowning in their sin. They're separated from God, and Jesus needs to come and rescue them. And it's only when Jesus rescues us and takes us out of our sin that we are safe, that we are saved and for time and for eternity. And today you can put your trust in Jesus Christ if this doesn't make sense to you right now. So in tears, reap in joy. Year after year with my dad, year after year. And there came a moment in his life when he said, I want to do it, and accepted Christ as he said. But then he said, as soon as he got up, he said, now I want to be baptized. And I thought, yes, he's through for the Lord. And we baptized him at the age of 80. He lived to 100, and um, as strong as an ox to, to 100, and changed his life. They say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Well, I'll tell you. God changed his life dramatically. The Apostle Paul said, I wish I could go to a lost eternity, go to hell in exchange of, of my people, Israel, going to heaven. Wow, I thought to myself, man, I don't think I'm there yet. 
I don't think I could say, man, God, I'll go to, uh, uh, you know, lost eternity. Just save South Africa. My passion is not there yet. I'm working on it. Passionate. Third, purposeful. We need to be purposeful. Otherwise, we will never be a good witness for God. Harold and Cecil Peasley, uh, who eventually ended up in Baptist ministry, I think some of you might, might have heard of them, used to preach on the Cape Flats, and um, they preached uh, purposefully week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and won many to Christ. Um, Harold or Cecil was preaching after the dad had preached, the other one had preached, the third one was preaching. Old man Peasley was, was dozing off after a big meal, and uh, <laughs> the one uh, son uh, was trying to illustrate uh, the, the reality of danger. You know, this is why we come to you. Because, you know, if we walk in the felt and there's a snake and you don't see it, I'll say, snake! You know, and with that old man Peasley who was dozing, jumped up and said, wait, 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 wait. And of course, um, the Cape Colors have, have, have got an amazing sense of humor. And I think that was the end of their, their session with them. But we, we, would, we would warn somebody, wouldn't we? Say you're walking with a friend a non-Christian friend in the felt, you're walking in, in the Drakensberg or wherever, and you see a snake, you wouldn't say, well, you know, why should I warn him? You'd warn him. But why don't we warn our non-Christian friends that are going to a lost eternity, which is far worse? We need to be purposeful. They were purposeful. Thessalonian church was a model church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 6 to 8. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed this message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. So that you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God became known everywhere. They were imitators of Jesus and, and of, of Paul in their suffering. They were imitators of them as evangelists par excellence. Both of them, Paul and Jesus. Again, Jesus is our greatest model in purposefully coming and purposefully dying. And so we do too. Uh, I came across uh, uh, this uh, uh, church in Switzerland uh, by accident in a, in a Joy magazine. We were going to Switzerland to, to evangelize, to church plant. And it was like this thing jumped out at me. Wow, this church in Zurich. Um, became known, in, uh, it was reported in the, in the Swiss press, which was quite amazing, that uh, it was the event of the century. This uh, Swiss church was having converts on a monthly basis in their services. And, 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 and th that is quite astounding because only 4% of Swiss go to church on a regular basis. I don't know how many in South Africa, I would, I would guess about 20% uh, or, the, or thereabouts. And 50% uh, Catholic, 50% Protestant. We read this, we prayed for that church, we prayed for it to ex be exported elsewhere. Right towards the, uh, the end of our seven years in Switzerland, I sat next to a guy who was a pastor, and I was relating this to him, and I was saying we were praying for this church and praying for them, them to export it elsewhere in Switzerland and, and further. He said, I was, the, I was the pastor, I'm now in Geneva. And, and he verified that Joy Magazine article. And I was like just so excited to, to hear that. And, um, 
and 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 what was what was the the underlying thing in, in that church is was that the the members were going out the members were living transformed lives the members were living Christ-like lives they'd been so transformed that the other Swiss you know Swiss are quite dour um, and they're the, the workaholics and and they just bonjour bonjour monsieur bonjour like like five years later you know you meet them in, in your block of flats and it's like and um, it's like give us a smile you know life is not all that bad so you can imagine these guys getting converted getting filled with the spirit you know and, they, and they're joyful in their work you know they're smiling and you know it's like But then they realized, hang on, they've been with Christ. And they thought, no, come, let's go and have a look what's going on in that church. You know, either they are, or, you know, God has done a genuine work. And then they, they got saved, and that church started, started growing. We had people by the name of Rudy and Panda, Chesa uh, in our church, who had been um, befriending a, a couple from overseas. They were from England, Ray and Pat Bowler. And um, they came to me uh, very excited and they said, Rain Pat Bala are coming. Our friends are coming after a year to our church. And um, they, they've not wanted to come at, at all. We, we've shared the gospel with them so many times. And every time we try to share the gospel, they put up. And they thought, well, come and see what we're like uh, in, in our church. And so um, Pat and Ray Bola said, okay. Um, well, let's go and we'll get them off our back and say that's it you know <laughs> been there done that it's not 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 our our scene and they said would you follow them up and i said yes i will so we led them to christ and their lives were totally changed and transformed and i, I wonder where pat and ray bowler would be today if there weren't a pat a panda and a rudy who befriended them uh, invited them over to briars and come and watch the rugby had a genuine interest in them genuine concern for them um, and, and hopefully there are Panda and Rudy's uh, in, in this church to reach out. So how do we become purposeful in reaching out? We start by loving people, right? We start by loving people. And so maybe we need to pray that God will give us a new passion, a new love for uh, those who are lost. You know, we can, we can lose that passion. We can lose that purpose. We can lose that love. And we need to pray that God would just put His love. We'll, we'll start weeping. We'll, we'll, we will start becoming uncomfortable when, when we pray that prayer. Then we need to pray for opportunities to share our testimonies and the good news. A testimony is strong and powerful. I was, I was, I was witnessing to a Jew and um, arguing all the time. Just, uh, he wouldn't give me a word. And the Holy Spirit just said, share your testimony. I shared my testimony for about, I don't know, 10 minutes, and they didn't argue at all. And, and this person said, sorry, I, I was so aggressive. I don't know why, um, but you, they can't take your testimony away from you. You can argue against the word, but they can't take that away from you. Expect God to lead you, thirdly. Expect God to lead you to people in whose lives he's begun to work. I've been praying that prayer very fervently in, 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 in the last while. And I was sharing with the elders that the other night. Friday morning, and people have come, prayed, led them to Christ, prayed for them. They were healed. Um, Friday morning, crack of dawn, 5 o'clock, 
please come, we're in trouble, you know, my mom's in trouble. And so we rushed out there and uh, thought, oh, God, I said, can't it, can't it wait until a little later? No, we're going to work and, 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 and really want you to come and pray for her and speak to her. And so we, we went and um, we ministered to her. And then I spoke to her son and her daughter who were, what, in, her, in their mid-30s or 40, led them to Christ. And I came away being rebuked, you know, I, like dragged myself out there at the crack of dawn. And, um, and they were ready. They were so ready. They were so ready. I said, look, do you, want to, do you want to think about it? We can do it later. They said, no, we want to do it now. We want to do it now. Pray for people in whose lives God has begun to work. And God will surprise you. He might make it a little uncomfortable. Four o'clock in the morning or whatever. Offer to pray for people in their sickness and their needs. Uh, there's a church in Ireland. They go out into the streets. Now, Ireland is known for its Christianity, right? <laughs> That's a hard place to go on the streets and pray for people. It's needs. And they will go out in groups of three or so, and uh, they would be led by the Spirit, and they would, they would have many rebuffs and all, nothing. And do you have a need? You know, we'd like to pray for you. That's, that's their approach, just simple. They would pray for people and, and share the faith. Many have come into that, those churches uh, uh, through, through, through that outreach. Our daughter in Reading in London's church also started that in, in, in Reading. And, 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 and not an easy place to, to be, but purposeful uh, outreach. Um, and, and God on, answered those prayers. Many of those people were, were healed. And we must come in for landing. So we've said persuaded. We've said passionate and uh, purposeful. And the last one, and very quickly and briefly, positive. Jesus Christ was the most positive, dynamic person to ever live on the face of this earth. Right? He, was, he, he drew uh, sinners to himself. He drew uh, unsaved people to himself. He was the holiest man who ever lived on, on earth and he, he drew the most vile people to himself. What? You know? That's incredible. That challenges me. That, that like, you know, and, and, and I felt the Lord saying to say to you that the closer we come to Christ and the more Christ-like we become, the more we earn the right to speak about Christ, the more we earn the right to pray for people Elaine was in, in Switzerland at first. They, 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 they treated her like, like she had leprosy. Uh, unsaved, uh, non-Christian teachers from various parts of the world, France, Switzerland, England, and, and elsewhere. Bunch of non-Christians. She earned the right. She, she, she eventually won, won their hearts. And eventually the one um, French teacher came to her and said, Would you pray for my daughter? She's got ca cancer in, th in the throat. They've had a biopsy and, um, and now she's got to go for the, an, an operation to get rid of this cancer. And um, Elaine said, yeah, I'll, I'll pray. Let, let's pray now. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like, um, no, no, just, just pray. And, and, and no, no, don't pray for healing. Like, just, just pray that, that I'll have strength to, you know, cope with, with this terrible thing. So Elaine said, okay, we'll pray. And then she prayed um, for healing as well. At, at the end, we as a church prayed. God gave us the knowledge that he had heard our prayers. There was no more cancer in, in that situation. We need to be positive. We need to earn the right 
to, to speak to our friends out there. Louis uh, is a teacher and um, I think he comes to the evening service back at uh, SBC and he, he asked me uh, a couple of questions. He, he, he'd, he'd won um, a couple hundred um, children to, to Christ in his teaching. Like, how about that? A couple hundred. And now he had a question and it started, uh, went to the principal and said, can I start an SEA? I started an SEA of 80. Man, it's exciting. Um, I guess he, he wasn't too negative, right? I think uh, there was a lot of Jesus in him. So to become positive, we need to get the roadblocks out of the way. And very quickly, what are those roadblocks? Roadblock of fear, self-centeredness, lack of concern, lost opportunities, lethargy, being too busy, and a lack of love. Which of those strike a chord in our hearts? Hopefully not all of them. Fear, self-centeredness, lack of concern, lost opportunities, lethargy, being too busy, a lack of love. All right, so I'm, I'm praying. My prayer is that we, we have a change of mind shift here, that there will be a change in, in the heavenlies over, over us, that we will become bold and courageous, that we will become dynamic for Jesus, that we will share our testimonies. We will pray for people. We'll be unashamed of Jesus uh, as Savior and as Lord. Luke chapter, chapter 12 and verse 8 says, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the Father in heaven. And let's be acknowledged before God with great joy. Um, came out of a Sunday service, at um, evening service, and I, I turned around and looked at this guy. I know you. And he looked at me. I know you. That's after 40-something years of being at school together. I hadn't seen him for 40-something years. And um, we got chatting about school. And he said, you know what? I came to know the Lord through you. Like, really? <laughs> uh, and, and then I had to cast my mind back. And like, really? I, did, I didn't pray with him. I didn't, you know, clinch the deal with him. And then I, I went back in my memory and realized that I'd befriended him on, on purpose. To, to win him to Christ and drew him into our, into our teen, teen group and uh, he was one of those stats um, but I didn't know I wonder how many people will be in glory one day we don't know that we, we sowed the seed I'm, I'm trusting that it'll be a lot of people a lot of people so don't become discouraged when, when you don't see immediate results just keep trusting, keep praying let me pray over you our God, our Father, how we bless you for your word to us. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of your light and of your Son, as Colossians 1.13 says. We bless you that we're in your glorious kingdom. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're your ambassadors. We're your lifesavers. We pray that you would enable us to take as many to glory as possible, to your honor and to your glory. Now, uh, uh, won't you just allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, to be bold and courageous? Can I pray over you as your head's about? Just open your heart to Jesus now. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit. God, come into us now. Come in, Holy Spirit, and make us bold and courageous for your honor and for your glory. 
Know, God, that we would be light, that we would be salt, that we would be fishes of men. God, that we would reflect something of Jesus and more and more so as we walk in Christ. Break fear, break lethargy, break a lack of love. We break these negatives over our lives. The enemy causes us to, to think that we don't have enough knowledge or we will be rebuked or, or people will, will spurn us. Lord, we know that's from the pit of hell. So, Father, we bless you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.